Wow. A bracket that started at 18 and ends at 21. What more could you ask for in a coming of age bracket? Drinky, drinky, yeah, drinky, wow. drink. That really was not intentional. We did not play that on. That's pretty fucking baller of us. Whoever pitched that theme is pretty cool, probably. Yeah, thanks, Jake. Oh, oh, wait, thanks, dude. Appreciate that. I mean, everyone knows I love coming of age movies. Right, right. And everyone knows I love coming. I just looked at. So we have our list of honorable mentions that you guys lovely submitted to us. And I, you know, we write the themes on the left. I just now saw that someone changed the title to coming of age to just coming. So uh, that's the energy (laughs) we're skating in for this finale, guys. (laughs) That is right. Hello and welcome back. We're the Tough Cut podcast. You might have heard of us because this is a finale. (laughs) This is episode 21, part four of our coming of age bracket. And I'm Matthew. I'm a legal adult. Alex. You sounded like three babies in a trench coat when you said that. (laughs) It is me. I'm an adult. I can buy candy from the candy store with my wallet filled with adult human money. And I'm Jake. (laughs) (laughs) Glad that there's no illegal adults here. I mean, sometimes I feel like an illegal adult. Maybe that's a good name of a coming of age movie. Illegal adults. Sometimes I feel like a plastic bag. Does Little Soldiers count as a coming of age movie? <laughs> wait, 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 wait. <laughs> Where the toy, like the action the figures action come figures to life. come to life, yeah. Holy shit, I loved that movie as a kid. I had that shit on VHS, man. Same! Hell yeah. I watched it so many times. Do you listeners even know what VHSs are? Well, I'm assuming that our listeners are like fucking <laughs> Zoomers. <laughs> I'm pretty sure, according to our stats, he cut this out, but that's it's like 40 year old women and like 25 year old dudes. Wait, that's so our what, demographic. You know what we've learned? <laughs> the one thing we've learned that's been a consistent in almost all these coming of age episodes is that single moms are certainly in our area. <laughs> especially when it comes to matthew so is that the name of this episode maybe single moms in your your area (laughs) jake is sending single moms to my area i am i I send them out i ship them out um it's a a business go to business anyway so yeah before we get into our final matchup you know just so you look forward to it it will be jojo rabbit Versus, are you biting your bike? What are you, what are you doing? No, nah, it's pretending. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it's going to be Jojo Rabbit versus Ladybird. Very excited about that. But for now, let's get into honorable mentions. We asked you guys, the audience, some of your favorite coming of age movies. And you guys gave us a handful. And I'm excited to get into them just because, uh, you know, these movies, there are so many different stories that are coming of age it's expansive and that's why we want to choose this theme because we know a lot of people like talking about these things and our experience coming of age uh, is going to be very different from other people's and other people's and other people's so yeah who wants to start us off with their personal uh, honorable mentions before we get into some audience shout outs so i have a question what you guys think about this because I feel like coming of age is often looked at young person learning how to be a a real person living in the real world with with real things. I'm wondering if coming of age also applies to the narrative trope of person who doesn't take life too seriously, learns to grapple with the seriousness of the world around them. 
Does that count as coming of age? I feel like that's super debated in a conversation that I've had with a couple film friends like before or whatever. I personally believe that coming of age like doesn't just involve like kids or whatever. I took a coming of age class and like we did films like Lost in Translation about like Bill Murray's old ass like coming of age. Um, he even argued that the movie Her was a coming of age film and dealing like, you know, with midlife crises and all this stuff. And I thought it was a very interesting way to look at it. I don't think it's like stereotypical, but I think as you challenge like the genre as people should challenge genres. Yeah, I, I would say it does. <laughs> Last time we tried to challenge genre. <laughs> go, go ahead. <laughs> yeah, it doesn't always us. fucking work, all right? I want to throw out a, a phenomenal movie that could have been in several of our brackets. Uh, Chicken Run, I think, is really good in the, in the lens of coming of age. That's interesting. It's I wouldn't so have good. thought of it like that. Oh, my God. Comparing Chicken Run to Jojo Rabbit, I think, would be so interesting. All right. Well, Lady Bird's out. Alex has used his <laughs> substitution ability. He gets yeah. one per substitution for the whole podcast. <laughs> and guess what? I'm selling out Jojo Rabbit for, you guess it, National Treasure 2, Book of Secrets. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so that was a good one, Alex. Matthew, do you have one? Avoiding the ones that are too personal. Um. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you don't want to be, you know, let the audience know anything personal about you. Yeah, just that I went to a middle school where we killed chickens. <laughs> wow, wait, Matt, is your perspective on Chicken Run different because you killed chickens as a child? <laughs> I, I haven't seen it, so I can't comment. What? You've never seen Chicken Run? That's what? fucking wild. Maybe I have, but I genuinely, I can't, I can't think of it. All right, that's going to be on a bracket coming up soon. Yeah. All right. Cool. Cool. Good to know. So something I was pretty close to putting in this bracket, but I decided I wanted to save for another one. Koi no Katachi uh, or A Silent Voice in its romanicized title. It is Japanese animated film. It is a fucking incredible movie. I love that movie. Yeah. It grapples with disability, with growing up, with trying to forgive yourself and figure out who you're going to be. It's really, really incredible. Wasn't that another snub for Oscar, like best animated? Absolutely. I think that so it came out in 2016, which also Kimi no, no, no Nawa or ah. Your Name also came out in 2016. I see. So a that was already a terrific snub because your name is fantastic. I would have most your name people f- forget that a silent voice came out in the same year. I thought the silent voice came out 2014, but I Am could I be wrong? wrong. No, 2016. I was right. Get yeah. fucked, Jake. <laughs> oh, God, one day I hope to. <laughs> yeah, no, they were both 2016. Um, because wasn't that didn't Boss Baby come out that year or something? Shut up. I saw this. That boss, baby? I literally, I literally got a fucking spam email because now I check all my emails because sometimes I got spam email saying check this out and like I clicked it, <laughs> it? and it was the trailer boss for Boss Baby, baby two. 2 and I, I almost deleted my whole laptop. <laughs> that is so, so funny. I, the trailer came on TV. I, this is the one little thing I'm ever gonna say about Boss Baby two. No, it's not. Because <laughs> it's gonna be in a bracket one day. Boss Baby ends in a way that I think is. I'm going to spoil Boss Baby. I don't give a fuck. And it's in a way that I think is actually kind of interesting because the movie itself is not very good, but it ends in like a metal meta textual way of like, oh, the whole film is made up to explain to the main character's daughter where his brother came from and like what their childhood was like. It, you know, his, they're both grown up at the end. Boss Baby 2 throws that out the window and introduces the fact that that all actually happened. 
which literally ruins the one semi-intelligent thing the writers accomplished in the first <laughs> film. I can't wait for it to win the Oscar. <laughs> ah, it's so horrific. It makes me so mad. <laughs> I fucking hey, you hate know what that though? Movie with Alec Baldwin somehow turns back into a baby. I think that's yeah. the plot of Boss Baby Two is they turn back into children, which is just absolutely ridiculous. It takes place when the original main character's child is a baby and they need to turn adult Alec Baldwin into a baby again because he has to be a boss baby. I'm going to cut you off only because we're spending way too much time talking about boss baby and I hate it. (laughs) Yeah, thank you. Fuck boss baby. What's what's one of your honorable mention picks, Jake? Talking about kind of challenging genre and like what you were speaking about before, one of the picks that I was going to pick but also was too close to my chest was Curious Case of Benjamin Button. It's literally... A coming of age, like you know what I mean. Um, it's such yeah, a beautiful, yeah. like encapsulating of all of age movie, and I, I love, love that movie. But I didn't, I don't think you guys are ready for Southern Brad Pitt yet. So you know, real, real dialing <laughs> it up there. One that I adore, that I'm surprised no one has said, uh, and I'm not seeing it in our list either, is Ferris Bueller's Day Off. I thought Ugh, Matthew would pick it, movie. honestly. I, I considered it. I considered it. There's a time in college where, like, Matthew would just always say, life moves pretty fast sometimes. <laughs> I still say <laughs> that. One, that's a great pick. And I, I love that one has one of the best, like, musical moments. Like that, like, museum. Please, please, please give me what I want by whoever it is. That song. Very good. First Bueller's Day Off will likely show up in a future bracket. Uh, Francis Ha was another one of mine. Uh, I said it before, like in our like matchups, or whatever. But I fucking love Francis Ha. Um, it's one of the few like good slash one of the few early twenties like coming yes. of age movies, and I think that's really important, especially you know because of us right now and how we're existing. Just kidding. We're eighty seven. You'll never know how old we are. We we talked about that one a little <laughs> bit in the episode. It right. was brought. I think a fantastic possible pick, and yeah. Certainly super relatable, I think, to a lot of 20-somethings right now. One I'm going to steal from our audience because it was also on my list, but Itu Mama Tambien Fantastic. is an incredible film. I will spoil nothing from it because people should watch it. It's such a fantastic piece of just film in general, because I really don't think that there is like an important distinction of like, I don't know, a film being foreign somehow makes it worth something different right people should just watch it it's a fantastic exploration of adolescence sexuality and self 110 percent. alex you got another treasure planet was a movie that i absolutely adore and i was so close to putting it in this bracket but i decided to rectify a mistake that i made before because another movie that could have and i probably should have put in this bracket was spider-man into the spider-verse and i put that in the nicholas cage bracket And it just it didn't do itself justice. A lot of our audience shouted out into the Spider-Verse. Yeah, Spider-Verse for sure should have been in this bracket, I think. But I and I could have put it in. We have no rules about like repeating movies, but it was just so soon. Didn't want to do it again. But I didn't want to do that with Treasure Planet because maybe someday in the future we'll do a pirate bracket. And uh, (laughs) I want that to be in there. Audience, if you want to see us do a pirate bracket, leave a comment below. Say arg. (laughs) Put put an arg in the chat. Put an arg in the chat, please. Oh, shit. I'm seeing I'm seeing them come down. Oh, Oh, dude. (laughs) Thanks for the 10 gifted. (laughs) 
There's a couple of pogs mis- mixed in there, guys. We're trying to only do args right now. I need yeah, this for the arg. clip. Arg so champ, you know. arg champ, arg champ. Um. <laughs> All right, the mods have just told me we've got a new emote, arg champ. You can now type that in chat if you're a sub. Get the special sub emotes right now. <laughs> so anyway, one of my other ones is uh, Stand By Me, Stephen King. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Yeah. That's just a fun, like, you know, playing with, like, kind of a horror-ish, like, movie. And, like, it's a good one. You know, you find a dead body on the train tracks. What do you do as a kid? One from our audience that I really like is Mean Girls. Mm. I think it, I feel like we probably were not the crowd, I guess, that, like, this movie probably didn't mean a ton to any of us. But I rewatched it a couple months ago, partway through quarantine. And it's, like, really good, guys. Um, it's very funny. Yeah. Anyways, a lot of other people talked about um, a lot of uh, John Hughes, which we didn't include any John Hughes, right? So like Breakfast Club, you know, 16 Candles, yeah. which has its own issues. Obviously, we talked about Ferris Bueller. Yeah, th- those are on there. Ones that I really love that were included on here. Shout out to uh, Persepolis. If you haven't seen that movie, that's fantastic. Moonlight is another phenomenal mm. movie. Mm. Um, I was very close to picking that one. Also, I want to super, super shout out someone because, you know, like we've we've talked about these guys try to get me to watch movies that I've never seen before and, you know, have, I guess, succeeded in in a certain way. But someone (laughs) pitched a movie that I hadn't heard or even heard of before, which is Yee Yee. So shout out to that person. That's one of our UK listeners. So shout out to the UK. Yeah, it looks like a really fucking dope film and I will watch it and maybe talk about it on the show more. So shout out to that honorable mention. Hell yeah. Just looking at the ones from our audience, another one I want to call out as... Oh, I almost put it in the bracket, <laughs> right. but but then put the two movies I picked instead. Um, <laughs> this falls, I think, in the territory of something I want to save for a later bracket. But Spirited this- Away. Oh, <laughs> what were you gonna? What did, what were you, what did you think I was gonna say, Jake? Well, here's the thing. I'm Saw looking at our audible. Yeah, here's the thing. I'm looking at our audible mentions, and someone pitched Saw Four, and just knowing Matthew Lerner, I thought he was gonna say that. Uh, but no, I absolutely agree. <laughs> Spirited Away is a phenomenal coming of age movie. In a way, you can view Saw 4 as a coming of age story in Jigsaw's attempts to push Riggs to learn to overcome his desire to try and save everybody. However, he never comes of age. There's about like two people who fully understand that sentence, I imagine. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> controversial opinion to all you saw heads out there (laughs) but saw four in my opinion is one of the worst saw movies it's so boring anyway (laughs) i'm not one of those two people who understands that sentence that you said Uh, another movie that i really love from this list uh dead poet society and that's because i'm a sucker for robin williams but man that's a good movie that like a number of people pitch that one is it in snl's sketch about the Poet Society <laughs> where the kids yes, it is. Oh my god, that is so I funny. Love that sketch. If you have not seen the SNL Dead Poet Society spoof sketch with uh Fred Armisen, oh my god, it is <laughs> so so good. Please look it up and watch it right now. Do we want to hop into the bracket or any other honorable mentions you want to highlight? No, the only thing I need to highlight is that, you know, we still have some hardcore fans out there of uh, the best film that fits any genre in the world. Mouse Hunt, uh, it did get pitched. It is the best coming of age film and the best animal protagonist film. I will die on that hill. I wait for two things to occur. One, 
for the return of mouse hunt in a bracket and two, <laughs> the how many brackets you're going to have to put it in until it advances beyond the first round. <laughs> Jake, I feel like you are you are required to put mouse hunt into every bracket where it is applicable. Yeah, no, I trust me. I know this. It wasn't even applicable the first time. <laughs> That's a joke. That's a joke. <laughs> uh, you joke, but you're also kind of uh, right. In a way, we can view the mouse as a subversive hero defending his <laughs> land from intruders. Right. Hey, thank you guys so much for giving so many honorable mentions. We really appreciate it. Uh, we love talking with you guys and we love the conversation. Uh, so keep on doing that. We love talking about these even like live while we're doing it, commenting on what's making it. If you think certain films, you know, should have even in the bracket one or advance over others. It's awesome. We love hearing with you guys. We love engaging with you guys. Uh, keep pitching Mouse Hunt and eventually it'll be a movie. Um, and fit a theme maybe interact with all of these things honorable mentions the hosts talk about the show talk about movies or anything because i'm sure you'll see other stuff pop up on our social media yeah we didn't talk interact about with that, us yeah. at tough cut pod <laughs> um twitter instagram letterbox we post reviews um, from all the movies we watch for this show. I've noticed we late night thirst tweet. Like we've done it more on, <laughs> on more than one occasion. Yeah, I'm pretty sure those are all Alex. Yeah, right, right. I'm sure those are all hey, Alex. Hey, 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 whoa. Hey, don't out me. <laughs> yeah, which one of you guys posted about me wanting to be the himbo of the tough cut? My, my brain. <laughs> so we've got Jojo Rabbit versus Ladybird. What a fantastic way to end this bracket. Jake, do you want to go ahead and give a concise rundown of Jojo Rabbit? Jojo Rabbit, since the finale, I'll give an actual, you know, synopsis. Uh, in Nazi Germany, a lonely German boy is enamored by, you know, Nazi propaganda and discovers his mother is hiding a Jewish girl in their attic. He's only aided by his imaginary friend, Adolf, played by Taika Waititi. And I only say that in the synopsis, because again, they specify it in every synopsis you find. That, <laughs> Don't worry, guys, this is an actual Adolf. This is Taika Waititi. It's not Waititi. the real Hitler. <laughs> <laughs> I am introducing Ladybird. Ladybird. Uh, hopefully you've seen it. Hopefully you love it. It's about a <laughs> high schooler named Ladybird who doesn't like her mom and her mom doesn't like her, but they love each other. And then she leaves. And that's the movie. I wonder if there's one person listening. You're like, because you always say, like, hopefully you like you love whatever. I hope there's one listener's like, I fucking hate that movie. Just like pauses. <laughs> it's like, no, Alex, I fucking hate it. I hope one day we get someone <laughs> that it, a movie is making a miraculous underdog run through the bracket. And someone is just there on the sidelines going, no, no, no. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, yeah. <laughs> so i was like really you know i said in the last uh episode towards the end i was like i'm kind of surprised by this like matchup uh how it ended up how it shook out to this being the finale but then i looked back at our notes or our notes my notes because i take a bunch of notes when i watch the film and these were the two that i took the most notes on i just realized that like these are the two that i have the most mm. things to say about and i think that speaks like to a testament about both these movies where they had a lot to talk about they have a lot of meat to them and they have 
a lot of like universal messaging. Uh, they have a lot of <laughs> universal messaging that like is really applicable and really meaningful both to me and hopefully to a lot of other people. I mean, they made it to our finale. So obviously they're the best films ever. That's how that works here on the tough <laughs> cut. But yeah, I don't know. Like what, what, what do you guys think? Like, so this is actually one of the topics I most wanted to talk about. I mean, I talked about this last time. I don't find Lady Bird to be a particularly relatable film. Like, it's not something that I think I'm super in tune with because it's pretty far away from my own experience. And on the same sort of note, Jojo Rabbit, I feel, is not a relatable experience either. So I think that's a really interesting element that obviously I can see how Lady Bird is meant to be relatable and how people relate to it. Whereas on the other side, Jojo Rabbit, I don't know, is necessarily meant to be a relatable film as much as it is an exploration of an ideology and some of these other concepts similar to This Is England. I know we touched on some of those topics in that right. conversation, which isn't to say it makes it different as a coming of age film, because I don't necessarily know if relatability is something a movie has to have. Mm-hmm. Um, but I just think it's a really interesting difference. I think the relatability of Jojo Rabbit really comes from the audience is meant to like Jojo, but see that he is completely wrong at the beginning of the movie. Like his beliefs are wrong. He's a Nazi. And I think the relatability comes (laughs) through him slowly abandoning his beliefs of Nazism to like realize escape his uh, illusion of what he thinks the world is like. And so I think the relatability comes from his acceptance of the way the world should be, I guess. Yeah. I mean, it also like this film really sells like the moldability of children really well. I think like, obviously, yes, we have the obvious Mm. Nazis like propaganda and how like Nazi Germany really convinced a lot of people of a thing, but really also boiling it down. It's also how kids are very like moldable and, and, really like you know impressionable is probably the better word for it and you know this is england explored it and like a lot of other coming of age films explores it but this does it in such a way where it's like such a blatant like okay yes nazis like did this we study this we know this this is also just a regular kid experience about other things in life that you can apply to today um which is really you know prevalent thank you so much for that jake because that is one of the things i think is so elegant about Jojo Rabbit, Taika Waititi is sort of taking like, yeah, Nazis are bad as like a face value thing. Like we know that Nazis are bad. I don't need to make a commentary about how bad the Nazis are. It's simply using Nazi Germany as a framing device Mm -hmm. for these other types of, you know, indoctrination for the impressionability of children for fascism. Generally, a lot of these other concepts are being tackled, which I think is like a really cool way to get at it. Because, you know, Mm -hmm. as we said, like, this is England goes for a very similar thing. It's just that like that additional framing you see in Jojo Rabbit and of course how the characters are explored is kind of like an evolution on it. Kind of bringing that around to Lady Bird, talking about how the setting plays such an interesting role, I think, in both of these movies, because the setting in Jojo Rabbit is so much for contextualization. It sets up so much, but it also, like I said in our last episode, the the town that they're living in, I think by the end of the movie, becomes a little bit of a character. Comparing that to Lady Bird, I think Lady Bird really could have been set anywhere, but it makes the choice to be in Sacramento. I think it gains so much character by having so much of Greta Gerwig's personal experience that Mm -hmm. I know nothing about Sacramento, but I 
understand how Greta Gerwig sees the city. I think in a really interesting way, the city comes to inform uh, Lady Bird's relationship with her mother which I think is really interesting, I guess, the way that that kind of shakes out. Well, I think the perfect encapsulation of it is like, I come from a small town thing, you know, the I come from mm-hmm. a whatever, I guess Sacramento isn't that that small town. It's a California city that's fairly populated. You know, they feel like it's a small town and they feel like it's part of the, yeah. Oh, actually comparing Sacramento small town and how Lady Bird wants to leave Sacramento, right? Comparing that to Jojo in their small town at the beginning, beginning of the movie everyone you see it feels like everyone is a nazi right did you guys get that feeling watching the beginning of the movie and i guess it like slowly is revealed how people are less and less supportive of like the nazi regime and more just like germany trying to stay alive kind of thing it feels like the city slowly reveals itself to not be nazi germany so in a very strange way jojo is falling into the city as opposed to ladybird like falling out of the city escaping the city which i think is a really interesting way to examine i guess cities as a character though i also feel like it's important to recognize with ladybird i don't know like she i think she idealizes the idea of falling out of the city or getting away from Sacramento. But I think it's extraordinarily evident from where the film ends that like that is impossible. Right. She leaves Sacramento, but Sacramento never leaves her. Yeah, exactly. You can take the sack out of the memento. Nope, I'm going to leave that one. Anyway, um, something I also (laughs) want to talk about. (laughs) For me, this is a personal opinion, so feel free to say fuck off Jake in the chat. But um, for me, these are also our two funniest films, I think, that we pitched. And it's kind of crazy that like well, us Booksmart. and like the people we did. Oh, no, yeah. I think, yeah, Booksmart is the other exception. But I think these are like very funny films in the way they're written. And they genuinely like make me laugh and have such great character moments with those things. And that like means so much to me in a coming of age like movie because comedy is such an important part for me growing up and like still now and like forming yourself through you always talk about like when you're writing or like doing comedy stuff like finding your voice and like isn't that also partially like coming of age so like finding your voice and Greta and Taika have such specific voices and their characters these actors like these chat Roman Griffin and Davis and uh, Saoirse Ronan are so good in their roles like they really encapsulate like that character and have a voice it feels like you know what I mean more so I think Sersha. I think more so Lady Bird has her voice because Roman is more finding his like voice. Oh, I'm, I think I'm a little bit confused on. Good. I followed until the very end where you stated that you feel Sersha has found her voice and Roman is still looking for his. Like what? Like that, I think I don't know if I agree with because I'm saying I don't I think that Sersha has a stronger voice. Like I think Lady Bird as a character has a stronger voice. Like she know, like she knows herself a little bit more or at least has a stronger like tone about like things or is a more standout character to me than Jojo Rabbit is. Okay, I think that the the piece of has a standout character brings it around because I think that Lady Bird has no idea of what her voice is because we see her kind of ping yeah. pong around back and forth between what personality am I going to adopt, who she's hanging out with, and how that makes right. you know reflections of herself. Like I don't think she has any certainty in her own voice. It's kind of like talking about how the nun said, "Oh, you write about Sacramento, like you don't know, like you don't love it, but you do." I think she thinks like she doesn't know her voice, or whatever, but she still feels aggressive 
massively hurt. Like when I watched that movie, I don't think anyone else is like Lady Bird. You know what I mean? So like if anything, in a way, like her lack of voice is her voice in a way. The more you talk, the more I actually disagree with you, Jake, because I feel like (laughs) at the beginning of Jojo Rabbit, Jojo knows exactly who he is, exactly what he believes. And Jojo Rabbit's process is the deconstruction of who he thinks he is versus I think Lady Bird. I agree with Matt. I don't think she knows who she is. And she because you see her act differently with every friend group, you see her act differently with the nuns, you see her act differently with her family. Mm-hmm. The only person who I think she is truly herself with is Beanie Feldstein's character. And I think like that character slowly becomes more and more of like you see that character that ladybird come out more and more and by the end of the movie that's who she is with everyone all the new people she's meeting in new york it takes the whole movie for her to find herself and that's why she chooses christine at the end to embrace right. yeah they're all finding themselves i mean this is a movie about fine but i'm saying like as a specific like she is such a like written in such a specific way that like it feels like that is Lady Bird's character. Even the, all those interactions, like interacting and trying to piece, piece together all the in-betweens and all those like cuts and the things she says and the witty responses like she does. Are you saying like her personality comes out stronger? Yeah, I think uh, Jojo Rabbit is it's good. Like it's it's good. It's written fun and nice, but like he more of like goes through it rather than like she she goes through it, but she like it just feels more <laughs> specifically her. Like, I don't know. I just feel like she stands out more of a character. I really think I disagree. And so I'm going to go back to the first thing you said with this point, And I'm going to say, fuck off, Jake. <laughs> <laughs> what if I just started crying? That would be really oh, sad. I feel so bad. So, yeah, you were at fuck off, Jake? Yeah, Jake, fuck off. I think another... A really interesting point of comparison is the kind of antagonistic relationship between Jojo and Lady Bird and their moms, because the moms are very different, but the relationships are kind of similar because their perspectives are so juxtaposed. What do you guys think? Hmm. I disagree with you only because you disagreed with me before. <laughs> um, <laughs> no, I mean, that one's tricky just because I love how Scarlett Johansson's mom character like handles Jojo and I think she just handles it in such a better way but also that's not the point like the point in Lady Bird is that she handles it in such a specific way you know what I mean yeah I love the way Scarlett Johansson redirects and like I think it's phenomenal parenting um really tragic her fate Lady Bird's have felt way more realistic and way more like yeah. Like that that felt like so real layered. honest conversations. And so like that airport scene really like sold it for me. Her like dropping her off. Yeah. Juxtaposed to like the beginning or whatever. And then her going around that circle and us just following her and then her fucking crying and going over. It's like, oh shit. Yeah. It's a much more nuanced take, but I do think that it's a so well written, like of Jojo of that mom to be that idealized mom. It's just handled yeah. so well. Mm-hmm. And she dies. Yeah, I can't believe Lady Bird's mom dies. Yeah. Nice, good cover, good cover. Yeah. Spoiler warning, I guess, for Lady Bird. You remember in Lady Bird at the end where all of a sudden Robert Pattinson was in a building, right? And they pulled <laughs> out and it was died away. Oh, God, oh, that's God. spoilers for Remember Me, but you shouldn't watch that movie. You should not remember it. <laughs> it's an awful film. You should Google the last uh, scene of Remember Me, actually. It's pretty fucking hilarious. <laughs> It's a romance, by the way. Yeah. After yeah, after you've watched that scene, that was a romance. <laughs> wow. Yeah, take a quick pause, watch that scene. Remember, <laughs> that's a romantic movie. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
Welcome back to Coming of Age. Robert Pattinson does not come of age in that movie. (laughs) (laughs) Wowza. Neither do those kids in town that get grenades strapped to them. They don't come of age. (laughs) Right. Cool. Okay. Wow. I'm really digging a hole to the center of the earth on this episode. Speaking of kids in town. Right. What do you guys think happens to Yorkie after after Jojo Rabbit? Dude, I don't know, but he fucks. Like, that kid's so <laughs> dope. Yorkie himself. So if we have to use the text as a reference, Yorkie himself says, it's almost like I can't die. <laughs> and I take that to be there are supernatural forces intervening in the world to keep Yorkie alive. So as all of the uh, pro-Nazi regime Germans or, you know, whatever, get rounded up and killed by the American soldiers, we have to assume that through some great coincidence, Yorkie gets out of there, you know? He got the super soldier serum. Well, he did say one of his last lines is, it's not a good time to be a Nazi, which I think is his (laughs) memoir that he writes. And then he gets on the Ellen show, specifically Ellen because of the times. And, you know, and... She saves him from being canceled, and it's a really beautiful thing. <laughs> being canceled. Man, I can't believe Ellen saved Yorkie. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. But fuck Ellen, because she's an awful human being. <laughs> yeah, this the tough cut is not pro Ellen. <laughs> and we're also not pro Nazi Yorkie. No, no. Yorkie Yorkie has one of the funniest lines where they're like, you know, they're sleeping at the camp and they're like uh, you know, Hitler's my best friend. And he's like, I thought I was your best friend. And like, Joe's like, no, you're just a fat <laughs> little boy, a fat little boy. He's like, I suppose I am a fat kid in a fat boy's body. And like, <laughs> it was really fucking funny to me, guys. It was really good. I loved Yorkie in this film. Also, those two kids are actually best friends now in real life. And it's adorable. Watch their press conferences. Oh, it's so fun. It, they're so cute. That is adorable. That's so cute. Yorkie's going to be in there's an untitled Home Alone reboot in production and Yorkie is in it. What? Yeah. And then also Leonardo DiCaprio playing Matt Nicholson's character in another round (laughs) in Home Alone. In Home Alone. Yeah, yeah, he is. <laughs> Leonardo DiCaprio plays drunk Mads Mikkelsen breaking into a house because he's too drunk and he thinks it's his own house. And then Yorkie just happens to beat the ever-loving shit out of drunk Leonardo DiCaprio. And that's what's the plot of Saw 4. Um, I, we went full ah, circle, guys. <laughs> I was about to <laughs> hop in there with the Saw joke. Nice. I have to beat you to the saw jokes. You can't be that on brand. <laughs> Genuinely, Jake sees the I the me getting ready to like say something. I'm clearly excited, and he's like, "Oh, I know it's a saw joke coming." So I'll just hop in there and snip that one before he can get to it. <laughs> I will say, um, a, a plus for JoJo. I think JoJo does a really good job of crafting two coming of age stories in one. I know JoJo is the focus and gets the most like whatever, but Elsa's story is very beautiful one too. And a very like nuanced mm-hmm. one. And I think the encapsulation of like the letters from Nathan part is so heartbreaking and sweet too. Like all the letters from this kid. And this as a coming of age story is encapsulated by she she said the phrase, like, you've lived more lifetimes than most. And then she's like, I haven't lived at all. And what a beautiful turn on that conversation and life being difficult. And in comparison, like with Ladybird being like, I haven't lived through something. Those two separate things, it's wild to me. And I think Jojo Rabbit does a really good job of bringing that on its head. That's such a good point. The I haven't lived through something and then comparing that to someone who is living through 
more than hopefully any of us ever go through. And she right. says she hasn't lived at all. Like, ugh. Which I think is a really interesting point on significant periods in history and things like that. Like the required emotional maturity and the idea of growing up too quickly that Jojo mm-hmm. Rabbit right. like has to grapple with so heavily. I guess not even just through significant periods. It's a very real thing that a lot of kids have to grapple with this idea of forced to grow up faster than they should have to. Um, I think it's a really interesting concept that Jojo Rabbit hits on in a way that's applicable to a lot more than just kids growing up in wartime and Nazi Germany. Right. Like, you know, in some ways, like Ladybird situation may be one that like a kid would be necessitated to grow up a lot more quickly than otherwise. Like having to have such frank conversations on cost and finances with their parents. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, most people would consider those things that kids shouldn't necessarily have to be worrying about. I don't know. It's an interesting relationship between those two movies. Yeah. Well, which one of these movies has Sam Rockwell in it? That's a good point. <laughs> I was just trying to think of a way to talk about Sam Rockwell. <laughs> <laughs> but also, I raise you, which one of these movies has Timothy Chalamet in it? Which one of these movies, though, does ha- is Timothy Tiny Tim play a fucking dick? Oh, sorry. I forgot to shout out Insidious as my favorite coming of age movie. Um, (laughs) Because, you know, Sam Rockwell's character and Timothy Chalamet are pretty similar. (laughs) Nope. Uh, (laughs) Sam Rockwell's character in Jojo Rabbit. What kind of dragon would Sam Rockwell's character in this movie have? (laughs) Didn't we already talk about this? No, we did. We We did Sam Rockwell's dragon in in The Way Way Back. But what would Jojo Rabbit Sam Rockwell have? Oh, my God. I didn't think about that. Wait, they're they're one of those double headed ones. You have the chill (gasps) water dragon. And then you have the flamboyant, like the the music dragon, like with the little music horn and the little like, you know what I mean? Like his final design, his fashion is basically Elton John. He's Elton John. One dragon is Elton John. (laughs) Does Sam Rockwell's dragon beat Timothy Chalamet's dragon? Hell yeah. I think it's for sure. I'm okay with it. Everyone like kind of thinks Timothy Chalamet's is going to win because it's like sleek, black, shoots supersonic blasts. It's like, God damn it. Yeah, it's named Jack Thar. And so it's like everyone is like, oh, this is the one where it's like, this is the main character dragon. Uh, And then Sam Rockwell's is just like way better. Damn. Something that we didn't talk about, like specifically that quote that came at the end of Jojo Rabbit, like encapsulating like another thesis of it, like let everything happen to you. Beauty and terror. Just keep going. No feeling is final. Literally ending us with like a thesis and like a message like for our characters and for like us. Like, what do you also think is the message for Ladybird and like, you know, what the conclusion is and what do both of those do for hmm. a coming of age film? And which one, if we're deciding the best one, which one is the more resonant thing to you guys? I feel like Ladybird's message and kind of theme that it it culminates in is this realization and discovery of the self and like what constitutes you are as a person. And I think it ultimately comes to the conclusion that what makes you who you are is your relationships, her relationship with her mom, her friends, her dad, her brother, her relationship with the city that she grew up in. Like those are the things that make her who she is. And so finding that she is then able to express herself in a different way and in a new way when she reaches New York and she still no matter how she portrays herself still has her relationships with the things that ground her I mean that's very relatable I feel like a lot of people go through journeys of self-discovery right in middle school high school college that I think is in many ways what 
a coming of age story is, is a journey of self-discovery. I don't know. Final answer is, I don't know. That's Alex's camp. Um, we'll see where Matthew stands. I forgot what your like actual question was, <laughs> honestly. How much wood could a woodchuck chuck? Six. Six woods. He got it right. Fuck. He's the first one ever. It was like, what? what is the conclusion that Lady Bird comes to? And between the two messages, which one's more emotionally resonant with you? <sighs> I don't know. I really don't know. I think because in my perspective, I think Judge Rabbit is more a broader commentary on themes and ideas of like fascism, brainwashing and, you know, mm-hmm. et cetera, et cetera, through the lens of a very personal story where Lady Bird is, you know, has this very personal conclusion to what is like a fairly intimate story through and through capped off with Tina my mother in the car right. flashing between the two of them, whatever, which I really like Alex's point of you know, Lady Bird, life, discovering yourself, a lot of it becomes about in relation to other people. I have no idea which one's more emotionally resonant. You know, it's not like I've had to escape indoctrination, but I think that's like emotionally important. I think that there's, for me, it comes down to the difference between resonant, uh, between like emotional resonance and emotional importance. Mm -hmm. I think one sends a more important message and more important commentary, whereas the other, not to say it isn't important. You know what I just realized about that line, Jake, that you said about from Lady Bird of her saying she wants to live through something. Both of these movies deal with the self being defined by. So Lady Bird wants to live through something so that way she can define herself by a, a defining experience like that versus Jojo Rabbit. Elsa's character is trying like by the end of the movie is is figuring out how to not define herself by her experience. That is right. such huh. an interesting contrast. Mm. Yeah. Like that is why that line is in Lady Bird, because she wants to yeah. define herself by some kind of experience. Damn. Right. That's wild. And that's why like Scarlett Johansson's like random conversations with Elsa too about being a woman, about living through things, about whatever, and then what that means when Jojo when like she's gone and like Jojo and Elsa are together and they have to figure it out without art their compass. Phenomenal. Oh, I'm getting chills. Oh, put on a jacket, baby. Uh-huh. Now nah, we're almost done. Give him a little pat pat. <laughs> a little pat pat on your little head. I think I'm ready to vote, honestly. I guess so. I don't know, man. It's a tough one. This is a tough one. Jake, you can go first this time since you said you're ready. I'm going to go with Jojo Rabbit and we can get into it later. But I think the things we talked about helped me out with this conversation, like like about living through things and like the amount of coming of age that we get and whatever. I hope it's just dead silence for the rest of the episode, actually, guys. All right. (laughs) (laughs) It just ends like that. Ten more minutes of silence. I am also voting for Jojo Rabbit. Wow. So it doesn't matter uh, what I was going to vote for. But if you look at my little notebook here, I wrote the word flip because I had no idea what I was going to vote for. So I'm going to flip a coin and I voted for Pause Lady the Bird. podcast right. Oh, shit. <laughs> Pause and put your guesses in the chat below. I keep mentioning a chat. I got to fucking stop that. There is no chat here. Just pretending we're a Twitch stream. Yeah. Wow. Guys, Jojo Rabbit is the winner of this bracket. What a fantastic movie. What a great bracket all around. Yeah, truly. I loved all these. It feels like a lifetime, honestly, like since I watched like This is England and Booksmart and like all phenomenal movies. An absurdly stacked bracket. But coming of age is a bracket of the past now. Yeah, honestly, fuck that bracket. I hated that bracket. (laughs) (laughs) We have to look forward to what comes next. And fellas, what does come next? Oh, God, I have to come to the grappling realization that I know nothing about music. 
I thought it was never going to come up. I was doing um, an overture uh, playing at the beginning because our next bracket is movie musicals. These are movies that are also musicals. They don't have to be Broadway shows or stage shows. They can just be uh, movies that are musicals. Guys, I'm so excited. We've got such great movies in our first episode of the next bracket. We've got the Blues Brothers going up against Les Mis and we've got Greatest (laughs) Showman going up against Mamma Mia. Here and we go again. Second Jake half is of the, the bracket. villain of this bracket. <laughs> it's going to be so fun. Uh, in our second half of the bracket, we've got the producers going up against Tenacious D and the Pick of Destiny. And we've got the Rocky Horror Picture Show going up against the Road to El Dorado. Guys, this bracket is actually going to be so much fun. I Genuinely, love musicals. Do you think anyone's compared Rocky Horror and the Road to El Dorado before? Like, ever? <laughs> Impossible. No way. No way like, has the that others happened. I could maybe see, but what, what in the world? I love that. We said we were going to make the next one lighter and we took it seriously this time. (laughs) We've been saying it for four brackets now. And hey, we actually went and did it this time, guys. Yeah, all of our picks are equally light. (laughs) Damn. (laughs) Fuck you, Jake. (laughs) Fuck off, Jake. (laughs) Well, yeah, I mean, thanks for listening, guys. Follow us on all the socials at Tough Cup Pod, Instagram, Twitter, Letterboxd, um, all those good, good lovely fun things we love interacting with you guys we love seeing you guys and you know we'll see you next week woot woot yeah and if you liked the show make sure to tell (laughs) tell the single hot mobs in matthew's area (laughs) i I had funny things to say with this bit of did make sure to tell someone um now i don't have anything two weeks in a row matt can't think of of who to tell matt grappling with his identity of of what he says at the end of the podcast too bad this is the end of coming of age bye